Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, the podcast where we explore the transformative power of embracing life's challenges and using them as stepping stones on the path to personal growth. I'm your host, Jane Marquiandi, and today we have a remarkable guest joining us on the show. Susan Gold, the author of Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, shares her incredible journey from a life marked by childhood trauma and adversity to a place of healing, strength, and mastery. Susan's story is a testament to the human spirit's resiliency and the profound wisdom that can emerge from embracing our path, even its most painful aspects. In this episode, Susan courageously opens up about her own traumatic experiences and the coping mechanisms she used to shield herself from their impact for many years. She delves into her transformative process, describing the pivotal moment when she chose to confront and surrender to her past, ultimately finding the keys to her own healing and liberation. So if you're ready to explore how adversity can be a catalyst for soul evolution and empowerment, stay tuned for an inspiring conversation with Susan Gold on Meltdown to Mastery. Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome, Susan. Jane, I'm really delighted to be in your presence. And I just want to compliment you on the amazing content that you've been producing so successfully. I hear most podcasts go maybe six episodes and you've way outdone that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm somewhere around 200, maybe over that now. (laughs) I haven't counted lately. And I'm so excited to have you. This is the perfect topic. And I want to jump right into this this topic that you've really hit on, your story and why you feel this is so important. I'm sure this will lead into information on your book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. So yeah, it's not for the faint of heart though, is it? I, I almost passed out when my publisher rang two weeks before the book was to be published saying, yeah, we have a new title. It's going to be called toxic family. (laughs) And I get along well with my family. I really appreciate the roles that they played, but this indeed is the, the correct title. My title was magical illumination because that's what I feel it's been, but it is uh, very important to get a dialogue going on the taboo topic of toxicity within our ancestry, within our bloodlines, and how that really affects one as they move through life. And mine certainly had heavy impact. My home was very chaotic. Uh, My father's a genius astrophysicist, but at 7.30 a.m., you'd hear the whiskey bottle unclug and glug, glug, glug. The whiskey would go down his throat. He was inebriated almost all the time. And I didn't understand that until I was having issues of my own early in my 20s with alcohol and had to face that. And my mother self-soothed with food because here she was with one I perceived to be an alcoholic and a Peter Pan and a narcissist. 
And um, her turn at education never came. What did come were five children in very short succession. And she used food. She was a compulsive overeater. And back then they prescribed diet pills, which were straight speed. So I was being raised by an alcoholic and a speed freak, both with their own mental illness to contend with. And my mother, her personality would flip. She'd be so loving, Jane, and just so kind and making a beautiful cake for somebody's birthday and then flip and I'd be beaten to almost to the point of brownout, not really understanding what I had done to trigger this. So it was not a hotbed of mental health. And I dreamed of getting out. I used to watch Barbara Walters on my beanbag chair when I was 10 years old. And I wanted to go to New York City and be just like Barbara. I Yeah, just like Barbara. <laughs> I ended up, though, leaving that home at 17, the, the morning after I graduated from high school. And by 19, I was living in Greenwich Village on an internship I had created from college. And I returned there shortly after I graduated college to work at ICM, a very large global talent agency. But I wasn't making enough money to pay my bills. So I, my side hustle was exercise training and Barbara Walters became a client. Really? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? The law of attraction. There there you go. Manifestation. It was on her door. I rang her doorbell at 7 a.m. one morning for our session. And she took one look at me and she said, Susan, get in here. What is going on with you? And she got it out of me within moments. I had been sexually harassed by my boss in the workplace the day before. And she said, Susan, I'm coming to work with you this morning and we're going to confront this gentleman together. And I said, yeah, that, that's okay, Barbara. I've got it and I'll, I'll do it. And I did confront him that day and he promptly fired me. And I had a couple of months of cash in the bank. I was newly sober. And I had just extricated myself from a very abusive relationship where the gentleman held the purse strings, I'm embarrassed to say. And Barbara offered me an assistantship for her then fiance, who was running a film distribution company. And I said, Barbara, I'm really grateful, but I can't be an assistant anymore after this experience. And I launched my own talent brokerage firm, Matching Celebrities to Brands. Oh, how interesting. You know, I was just home for a two week reuniting myself and my mom. I stayed with my mom for two weeks and I woke up in the morning at 3am and realized that we all have childhood trauma and often it's separation from the mother and none of us can really escape that because no matter what degree it is, we're all going to have to separate from our mother at some point. And for me, my mom was just really, really busy. So she just didn't have the time to nurture. So I imagine it happened very early on. And I, I healed a lot of it by being home and as an adult realizing where it came from and, you know, hearing her side of it, that she was doing it just to make sure that we were, as children, that we were all okay. But as a child, all you want is love, right? So it was. It can remain buried and hidden for a long time and cause a lot of triggers later in life. So when did you figure out that trauma was related to 
you know, what was going on in your life and how did you transform it? Because I know you say it it can be a gift almost for soul evolution. So it was in my early 20s that the same red flags I saw demonstrated in my home started manifesting in my own life when I swore they wouldn't. I took a slug from a wine jug at work to ask for a raise. And that was a direct tie to my father's behavior. My relationships were messy and combative. I was lying when it would have been just as easy to tell the truth. And so I went to a therapist to talk about it. And he immediately started talking about how much alcoholism there was in my family. And did I drink? And I thought, what does this have to do with anything? I've got serious problems and I'm happy when I drink. So that's really when I started to learn about trauma. He suggested I not drink while I was in treatment with him. And I've been sober ever since. And it's been decades of revealing layer upon layer of trauma. I was codependent since second grade and Billy Fritz. I needed a man to affirm my own reality, my own value and my worth. And that was quite a costly addiction. And it wouldn't be until really a decade ago that I faced it. It was like the perfect storm of all the trauma coming together. And I had tools for dealing with it, you know, my my recovery from addiction. I had a 10-year tete-a-tete with clinical depression until I learned how to work with it and no longer needed any type of medication to heal and to, to work with the suicidal ideation and the clinical depression bouts. And then ultimately, Jane, it was narcissistic abuse. You know, that word narcissist is really thrown around very easily now. And I'd heard it before, just like I heard about alcoholism, but I didn't understand or draw a line that would tie any issue to me. It was almost like there was a black shroud and that shroud lifted off in segments. So ultimately I went from a very successful career in New York and was invited to Los Angeles for what I thought was a great career move, but it was really to meet one of my greatest gurus. And I'm using the word guru in as a teacher. And that was the man who was to be my ex-husband. When we met, I thought it was kismet. And it took us a long while to decide to live together and then ultimately to marry and have a family. And I bought a home for our family in Southern California. And that's really when the wheels started to come off. The pressure started to, to get greater. I took a night job on to earn money to pay for the property taxes and wasn't really understanding why my husband couldn't come to the plate. He had seemed so dreamy. And my my idea to make him accountable was to create a post-nuptial agreement and create some fiscal integrity within the relationship. And we got to the last point when he folded his arms and his eyes went in those cold slits. And he said, I'm filing for a divorce and I'm hiring an attorney. And that subtle universal voice of intuition was not so subtle. It came flying over my right shoulder and through my heart and said, this 
is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself? And it was a year of living in the same domicile, him holding court in the master while I, by choice, was on a mattress on the floor and the partial conversion in the garage to really have the trauma come full force and present itself in perfect storm. And I held no contact, meaning no verbal contact and no eye contact in that circumstance and went deep in to do somatic modalities to heal and explore the trauma pockets that I was still holding on to even after decades of work, holding on to to prove value and self-worth. And it was in that experience. And after that calendar year of that circumstance, writing him a six-figure check so he could move on to his next source of supply. And I credit him with being my greatest teacher because that experience reflected back to me my authentic power And also the beauty of that pure, innocent light, that sweet child within me who really deserved acknowledgement. And that shifted me on such a deep level. Mm. How did that come about? Like, was it just through facing the trauma head on and then realizing, like you obviously forgave him, which was huge in your own healing and seeing it as a teacher? I don't think that I could have been in that place without the preceding steps. Traditional therapies, talk therapies really helped get the storyline down. But ultimately what helped with my transformation, Jane, was was shifting on a cellular level, you know, shifting the neural pathways to really come to a place of being a different human being and seeing this earthly walk as an opportunity for soul evolution, seeing my challenges and challengers, and believe me, there were many, but to see them as gifts. And like you were saying, you know, our parents had come from abuse and had their own abuse issues. I mean, certainly in my family, it was hurt and abused children, raising hurt and abused children and really profoundly coming to the point of acceptance with that platform. And now to see these opportunities as chances to really evolve and move through them and then help others do the same. And then those others coming through, seeing light, being willing to heal and transforming and then continuing that chain to heal others it's an exquisite walk when you can see it from that perspective. Mm, really beautiful. Now, when you say healing at a cellular level, so you brought a lot of the storyline at least to the surface, right? But it wasn't truly healed until you made the decision to really transform it. But what happened at that, when you say cellular level, I find that interesting because if we don't deal with our trauma, it does, it affects us on a cellular level and eventually we become sick, right? So I'm really interested on your perspective. What happened there? One of my core issues in childhood was one of abandonment and neglect, which drove me to depend on value and esteem from the outside in and discrediting that value from the inside out. 
And it wasn't until I was really willing and able to face that. And it was the universe doing for me what I could not do for myself because I did not want my family to fall apart, even though I knew that relationship was well past its expiration date. The trauma of facing what felt like a last lesson was too overpowering. And I held on with all my might until the decision was almost made for me, Jane. There was no turning back. And there was a gift in spending that calendar year in the same domicile with the man who would become my ex-husband. I had to clearly see clearly see without exception what I was allowing. The dance and the dynamic was too clear for me not to acknowledge. And I also had had a lot of recovery up until that point. I mean, just living a sober life, one of examination and self-discovery is a really important platform, I feel, as a basis for moving through our traumas with authenticity. And then learning how to work with my suicidal ideation and depression. That last couple of months of that divorce experience got pretty hairy as my husband saw he was less powerful and losing control. He really went to every length. And I started to go inward. The anger turned inward and recognized the signs of the depression and recognizing the bubbling thoughts of suicide. So I set up a friend for each day of the week and checked in with them and gave them a level of how I was feeling with the depression. And if I was suicidal and did not get the person live, I would move on to the next person on that list. And that's what got me through the end of that experience. So it's been an unveiling as I believe my my spirit and my soul and and my personality are ready to address. And sometimes I got a little shove here and there, but it was with purpose and point and beauty in the end. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Like the you said you experienced neglect as a child. Did that lead you to because our uh, I'll just regress for a sec, because our unconscious mind is trying to save us. So our programming as a child, if it's neglect, we want to hold on to someone desperately because that would save us, right? So you said you had like a codependency from young until probably the end of this relationship. Is that what caused the deep depression because you felt like it wasn't being solved and and not until you totally faced the trauma did you come out the other side Just i to- think it's i think it's a piece of it and i think that is an inherent piece of it um the suicidal ideation jane with me became began very early i was 6 years old when i had my first intense grapple with suicidal ideation. So I believe that started even earlier with physical abuse. Um, And Susan, when you would think about it, was it escape that you would hope for with suicide? 
I wish the trauma was over. I feel, Jane, like I came in with this programming. Uh, I just felt so different from my family members, from the other kids at school, mm-hmm. from what the church was telling me, from even, you know, into teenage and adulthood. Now, what society is telling me, what box I needed to fit in, I never fit in those boxes. And I think I'm also highly empathic. I can read a room as soon as I go in. That's what kept me safe as a young child. I could read the thoughts of adults until it became unsafe. And I feel it's it's a hard way to live until you understand it and can create some boundaries around it. But as a child, I didn't I didn't have those tools. So it kept blossoming and mushrooming. And I'd understand a layer and then I'd recede back. And then I'd understand another two layers and then I'd take a step back. So it's been a real dance. It's been a real um, unspooling of the trauma to really come to a place where, yeah, I have some some boundaries around it. I have some understanding to it. And I also have experience of walking through it successfully and experiencing living in a new zip code that comes when you face it. And I think it's it's hard. It's hard for many of us. I have many clients. I have friends that are still struggling. I have a friend who's no longer with us. She couldn't stand up to her estranged husband. And she lost her life to him because she was addicted to that dance. It can create an addiction. You want to, you want to overcome it. You want to control it. You want to win. And I found surrender is ultimately the easier, softer way. Yes. So I wanted you to talk about some of the steps that you, you managed to use in the end that really worked. So surrender, right? That's huge. I love that. Tell tell us more about that. It's not encouraged, is it? We're all taught suit up, show up, and just move through it, make it happen. And I moved at breakneck speed. I was like a whirling dervish. My central nervous system was on overdrive. I got the message early. No one was going to want to take care of me. And ultimately, I I carried more than my fair share of the load in most of my romantic partnerships and certainly my marriage. So it was really coming to a place of awareness first, which is, it can be difficult to wake up out of this scenario, this patriarchal programming that's endemic and trained into our belief systems to wake up to it and then to accept it. What what is what do you consider patriarchal programming? Like just well for for women like me, I'm to take care of the man. I mean my sister and I did the load of the household chores. The boys took out the trash. Occasionally they mowed the lawn. Hmm. But you know, I did the laundry and all the vacuuming and the dusting. My sister made the meals for our family. And we were supposed to, the boys came first, you know, the boys had food to eat first. And then you come, you don't sit down until everyone's served and you make sure they're okay. 
you know, because I was raised to be a second class citizen. I was raised to take care of Mm -hmm. that male figure that was floundering, but no one was to see that. Right. I think that exists more than we know. So, yeah, so realizing that was huge and then go on from there. And then I had to accept it, which I really didn't want to because I wanted my life to be picture perfect and fit in the square I was taught it was to go into, you know, and it just didn't. And when it did, I was exhausting my own being. So I had to understand after I was aware to accept the circumstance I was in and not deny it and not to go back into some amnesic state and say it was okay when it wasn't. And then I had to stand up to it and move through it, which was terrifying. These were old belief systems. I thought I was going to be annihilated. And also, Jane, it wasn't just current day. It was historical. And if I went back into the lineage, I could see my grandmother's grandmothers were carrying the same energy. And some of the somatic modalities I used, and I even did some past life regression, similar themes were coming up. So to really face it, accept it, walk through it and say no more, it's it takes amazing courage. Yeah. But with that healing, I believe you do heal generational trauma. And so do I, which is why I I was told I had this book to write in 2007 by an Irish seer, and I, I promptly shoved that under the nearest carpet. And it wasn't until two other intuitives told me back to back, you have this book to write. And the third one said, you have three books to write. So I thought, okay, well, before there's a library to write, I guess I better get going. But, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't feel I had much to offer. And then I sat down and wrote out the story and put the tools in the appendix. And yeah, the, we definitely need to have conversation mm-hmm. around the weight we are carrying that mostly does not even belong to us. Mm-hmm. A lot of it didn't belong to our parents or our caregivers. And a lot of it didn't belong to their parents either. So yes, it's about opening up that big dark secret that's been sealed so carefully to say, yeah, no, I'm not fine. (laughs) And this is not okay with me. And to express it, to get it out, whether it's with a professional or a confidant or a trusted, you know, associate, to get it out, explore it, and then stand up to it and move through what you need to move through for a happier life, that is authentic freedom. Yeah. But you're right. And to even recognize that you spend a lot of time, like not only running from it, but we remain so busy that we can't look at it. Right. And then to relax into it or to just allow it is one of the biggest steps. I, I think so. And then for me, it was to find support around mm-hmm. it. It wasn't something that I could move through solo. And there's so much help. I mean, there's podcasts like yours now. There are many more practitioners. 
there are many more modalities of help to move through it. We have a plethora of help coming out and into the open. Mm-hmm. Right. And even to talk about it, it's like very new because we were taught to pretend everything's perfect, you know, and not share these difficult times and the the dark stuff that exists within all of us. And it's actually so exquisitely beautiful when you're able to do it. I felt like I, I, it was 2013 when the first practitioner listened to me with such an open heart and no judgment, Jane. It, it was such a safe and profound place. And she also was very gifted with intuitive insight, which really was exceptionally helpful. You know, and I used endurance sport to cover it. I was using endurance sport like a heroin addict would use heroin to get that esteem and value and to stop moving, you know, like a dervish. And that ultimately I had to surrender to the universe helped with that. But yeah, I really want to encourage your listeners to slow down, take a breath take a look and get some support around you because there is an opportunity to live wholly and with love on this planet. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it can be a soul transformation. So it's worth it. What are, what are some of the, can you just share some other things that would really help listeners? And then we'll just talk a bit more about your book and how they might be able to get it. Well, breath work has been essential and there's there's a lot of um, help out there with it. But for me, it was just feeling my feet on the ground through the earth. There's a lot of energy that comes up through the earth to help ground us. I'm speaking at a much slower rate. I used to speak slamming so many words in the sentence and barely pausing to take a breath, concerned also about how you wanted me to respond to you when you were talking rather than how I was feeling in my own being. So I'd say grounding yourself by just noticing the breath and your feet on the floor is a great first place to start because the complex trauma we're experiencing, especially globally, with the shifts we're going through as we move through the different frequencies, it's more essential now than ever to really get grounded within yourself and find your breath. So that's the very first thing that I'd recommend. Lovely. It seems so simple, doesn't it? But it's so powerful. So powerful and and not complex. Mm. Yes, very simple but not easy. Right. Because sometimes we're too busy barreling down (laughs) to do the next 10 things. Oh my gosh, Jane, I've stopped myself mid hallway, literally (laughs) and said, okay, I see it. I see that little gerbil on the rat wheel. I think I'm going to stop here and take a breath. And, and sometimes it shifts it. Sometimes it doesn't, but just to be aware of it is a huge step forward. Yeah. And then to take that breath, it brings you back into the moment because that that herbal in the wheel too keeps you in the future 
And then your mind keeps you in your past. And so you're not really even in the moment. Not at all. Not at all. And ultimately, and I've used this too, we don't know how long our ticket lasts here. It could last at any moment. And I don't mean to be maudlin. For me, it's it's helping me to find a place of gratitude. I used it yesterday. It was my happy birthday. And sometimes mixed emotions come up around that birthday. And you know, the mind was spinning. And I just said, you know what? This could be your last birthday moment. Like, what are you grateful for? Oh my gosh, I'm grateful I have a boyfriend who brought me an amazing cake and sang happy birthday to me. I'm grateful I have a beautiful roof over my head. I'm grateful I can see almost nothing but sky and trees and nature in this moment. Hmm. Gratitude is another major tool, isn't it? It just shifts your perspective enough. And it's free. (laughs) And it's free. (sighs) Beautiful, Susan. So just tell us a little bit more about your book and then how people can find it, because I think it would be really valuable. Yeah, I, I, I feel already that there are people moved. Um, move to find this book as we're speaking. Um, So again, the book is called Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. And it is my personal and my professional trajectory. We didn't really get into it. And I'm grateful because a lot of people do want to get into it, Jane. But I had a very interesting career matching celebrities to brands, which led into producing for television and film. But this conversation and the taboo topic around toxic lineage is my mission and my purpose. So the book is the base to that. And if you do nothing more, if you if you get it and read it, and there's helpful tools in the background in the appendix that have I've used and I still use. So it's it's very experiential and practical and from what I'm told helpful. Um, and I'm grateful to have created it because I I felt I needed to leave a legacy behind me to help others heal. And this is absolutely it. And you're also welcome to get a little prelude. I think I mentioned my suicidal ideation started at six. It's the prelude to the book. And there's a little audio snippet that's available if you want to go to the website. It's susangold.us. And just put in your email there and you'll get a little audio snippet to the book. And uh, I offer a free chat. I'd love to hear your story and connect with you on a deeper level. So you're welcome to that. Yeah, that's really how people can reach me, Jane, if they want to, susangold.us. And it's just been a privilege to be in your company and your beautiful energy and your tranquility and your calm today to talk about trauma and the transformation of it and our family systems taking a look so we can unchain ourselves from what may not belong. Beautiful and powerful stuff, Susan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jane. If you've enjoyed the information in this episode, share it with someone you care about and know will benefit. There's one thing for certain, meltdowns are inevitable. 
Let's move into mastery together. In the show notes, you'll find my link tree, which has links to many of the most popular platforms. You'll also find links to connect to the featured guest, webpage, and social media. Thanks again for being committed to mastery. Change in this world really starts within each of us.